listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be journeying in the Word of the Lord. We'll be in Luke chapter number 8. And as you make your Bibles ready, I want to reiterate what Sister Charla said, a few changes to our weekly schedule. The first being that there is no first steps after church today. It will resume next week. And this Wednesday is the 4th of July. So get together with some friends and family member and just show some love. Amen. I want to tell you guys that I love this church. That's right. I see somebody else loves this church too. In my or per my experience, there is no church like First Church. There is no church like First Church. If you're a visitor this morning, I want to thank you for coming out to worship with us. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, I'm Dewan McCall and I serve as the student pastor here at First Church. I want to cordially invite you to come back when our lead pastor, Nathan Elms, is here. You do not want to miss his preaching. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, before we get into the word of the Lord, Pastor Nathan made sure that I delivered a message to all of you, all right? And I believe the message goes something like this. Have I told you lately that I love you? That was a little bit too deep. Let's go a little bit higher. Have I told you lately that I love you? See, this is why I don't sing. Amen. But your pastor loves you even in his absence. There we go. Turning our attention to the word of the Lord, Luke chapter number eight, starting at verse number 22. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and they said unto him, let us go unto the other side of the lake launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep and there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? Somebody say faith. Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Let's have church. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. I imagine that the sea was quiet now, and there was just breeze enough to push the boat along. The disciples were quiet too. Andrew was steering. He had taken over for Peter, who was wrapped in a cloak, exhausted and lost in thought, soaked to the skin. Others were bailing out the remaining water. Jesus was sleeping again. James leaned on the bow, gunwale now watching the settling waves. 
He was trying to absorb what he had just seen. James knew this, see. He and John had spent most of their adult lives on or in this sea. His father was a fisherman and so were the rest of his male friends. His mind, I'm sure, flashed with the faces of them who were drowned in unpredictable Galilean wet windstorms, just like the one they had just encountered. A seasoned boatman, James was not easily alarmed, but he knew a man-eater when he saw it. And this storm had opened up its mouth and began to swallow them into the abyss. I imagine terror had been in John's eyes when he grabbed James and said, we have to tell the master. They stumbled to the stern. How Jesus had remained asleep is in itself a wonder. They woke him screaming, save us, Lord. We are perishing. I'm sure the disciples would never forget the way that Jesus looked at them. His eyes at once potent and tranquil, not a trace of fear. Laying aside the blanket, Jesus rose to full height on the rear of the deck. James, fearing Jesus was about to be pitched overboard, reached out for Jesus just as he said, peace, be still. No sooner than those words left his mouth were the winds completely gone. The sudden hush of the howling winds was overworldly and the waves began to immediately abate. Each disciple, I'm sure, stood right where they were looking dumbfounded at each other and one another. Each of them trying to figure out what just happened Jesus' gaze lingering for a moment on the western shore. Then he looked at the 12 and he said, where is your faith? Now as they leaned on the bow, they turned Jesus' question over and over again in their minds. Where is your faith? When Jesus said it, I'm sure that they felt its intended rebuke. Didn't they trust God? Didn't they believe in him? But the storm proved that all the confidence that they felt when the pressure was off was fair storm or fair weather faith, but not deep storm faith. The Galilean westerlies had swept that away. They felt chastened and humbled. But the more I think about this question, the more profound it becomes, where is your faith? Where is it? When the storm hit, what did you trust? When the, when the storm came, you trusted what your eyes saw, or I trusted what my skin felt. I trusted the violent force that was tossing the boat to and fro. They trusted the stories of their friends and their family. They trusted the tragedies that they could remember. They trusted the power of the storm because after all, storms have no master or so they thought. Up until this time, it would have seemed like common sense to fear the storm, but Jesus changed everything. The words of the psalmist comes to mind, for I know that the Lord is great 
and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deep. It is he that makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth wind from his storehouses. When the storms of life are raging, that's the perfect time for us to begin to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, where is my faith? It's easy to say that I have a lot of faith when things are doing good, when I'm dressing my best and I get to flaunt it in the church house. But when things are going good, that's the time where I need to say to myself, I believe in this church. I believe in the word of God. I believe in the power of God. And there's nothing that's going to change my mind. Hey Amen. God did not put you in the boat that you're living in so that you could die there. If God said that you're going over to the other side, honey, let me tell you, there's no wave or no storm or no wind that can stop the presence and the power of God. Amen. 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 I think that it's high time that we begin to make sure that our faith in the destructive power of the storm is not greater than the protective power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As Pastor Nathan would say, let me calm down. Is there anybody in this building who can testify that when you put your faith in God, anything can happen. If you've been around the block for a few years, maybe you can testify of that. If you're new to this church or you're new to faith, let me tell you what, God is on your side. Even if your faith seems so small, God will honor that faith if you put it in his hands and say, God, all that I have, I give unto thee. Amen. Amen. When faith is involved, anything can happen. Sickness can be healed. Hearts can be mended. Lives can be restored. Anything is possible when faith is involved. So the question we ask ourselves is what is faith? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One translation says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. At first glance, it may seem as though this is a ridiculous question. Shouldn't we all intrinsically know what faith is? If we look at Hebrews 11, we see that there's two components of faith. The first is assurance. That's God's rule. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance conveys the idea that we have something to hold on to. Assurance is what God gives us in the gospel. When he came to earth and he spoke those words, he was giving assurance to us. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He also said, though you die, yet shall you live. He was giving assurance. Jesus healed the blind, 
to give assurance that he's a cure for spiritual blindness. He pardoned the sinner to give assurance that he can forgive sin. He raised the dead to give assurance that he is eternal life. Assurance is the work of Christ giving hope. But let me take it one step further. God did not come just to give assurance, but God came to be our assurance. Jesus, my blessed assurance. Anybody know that you can lean on God? I can lean on God when things don't seem good. When I had to pick myself out of bed just to get to the house of God, I know that when I get there, God's going to be there with arms wide open, ready to receive me. Amen. Amen. The Bible lets us know that we can put our hope in God. The second component is conviction. Convicted, as in the case of a criminal trial, means to settle something is truth. To declare something in your life. To declare something established. Or in simple terms, it's a strong belief or the state of being sure that what you believe is true. The conviction of things not seen. Our role in faith is to be convicted Yes, ooh, sometimes it hurts. But yes, to be convinced of the things of God. Convict me, Lord, and let me be convinced. If you're here today, which I know you are because I can see your beautiful faces, and maybe you're new or you've been, a while, you've been here a while, if your faith seems as though it's wavering and you're just waiting for a little verdict in your life, let me give you a verdict this morning. Let God be true and every man be a liar. If God said that you can make it, you can make it. If God says that he's not going to let you die in your dilemma, let me tell you what, you're going to live to see the other side of the lake. If God says that you can overcome, you can overcome. When the assurances of God meets the conviction of the heart, what's born is faith, true living faith. Although faith plays a crucial role in our walk with God, it's important to realize that it's not faith that saves us. It's not faith that saves us. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. So what faith allows us to do is have access to that grace. So here, let me put it this way. If you need a blessing from God, or maybe you need an immediate word from the Lord this morning, all you've got to do is exercise faith and it will allow you to have access to the grace and the blessings of God. God, you know what I'm going through. I'm going to faith it. God, you see what my family is dealing with. God, I'm going to faith it. I love how they used to put it. I'm not faking it. I'm faithing it. I'm not faking it. Yeah, things may not be good, but you know what? God is still good, and he's going to come through when I need him to. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Jehovah Rapha and Nisi's, but to me, he's Jehovah Nicotine, because he's right there in the Nicotine. Amen. 
God allows us to have access to grace through faith, to salvation through faith, to healing through faith. I adventure to say that if you need a blessing or a miracle or a word, or dare I say something stronger, if you need something immediate, all you've got to do is put your faith in God. God, make sure that my faith is in you, that my faith is where it needs to be, God. So where does faith come from? The Bible says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, I love it. Woo. I love the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. Faith happens when our ears hear the assurances of God. At least five times in the gospel, Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. But God knows most of us have ears, but some of us don't choose to hear. You know who you, you, know who you are? Faith is impossible without hearing the assurance of God. That's why I love coming into the, to the church house when I'm feeling down. That's why I love coming into the house of God, even when I don't feel the part or I don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning or I don't feel like my week is going the way that it should. I get up out of bed to go to the house of the Lord because I know where there's people of faith. If I could just use my faith. And it's the preach word of God that begins to build faith. And if I can hear the word of God on a Sunday morning when Pastor Nathan is preaching his heart out, I know that my faith is going to begin to rise and my life is going to begin to change. And I'll leave the house of the Lord different than the way that I came. Amen, amen, amen. Romans 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. That word power means dynamite. The gospel message is the dynamite of God to change hearts, to change minds, and to open ears so that they may hear. But how shall they hear without a preacher? In this sense, then, faith comes through the preaching of the gospel. The gospel opens its, its, its ability for you to understand the word of God. When you hear the word of God, it begins to stir something up in you. It opens up your ears by its divine power. And open ears hear the assurances of God. And that assurance leads to conviction. And that conviction coupled with, with the assurance of God creates faith. But it's one thing to say, oh God, I have a lot of faith. I have plenty of faith. It's one thing to say, you know what, I believe, I believe, I believe. But it's another thing for right where I'm living to start putting in action into my life. It's one thing to say, I believe that God's going to work it out. But it's something completely different to start praising the Lord as if he already did. 
It's one thing to believe that God is going to do a work in your life, but, but you come into the house feeling defeated. It's something completely different for you to believe that God's going to do it. And even though he hasn't done it yet, you walk into the house with confidence, with boldness, because you know that God is on your side. And although it seems dim at the moment, you're not going to stay where you are because God will work it out. Amen. You've got to exercise that faith. And you can't say, oh, I just don't have the faith for it. You can't say, oh, I don't have faith because the Bible lets us know that he's given every man a measure of faith. He's given every man a measure of faith. But what happens is he gives us this much, right? Or we start with this much and then we need to exercise it a little bit. And so we have a headache. So we pray over the headache and bam, it's gone. Man, that was, that was great. And then a friend has a headache and you're like, can I just pray for it? I mean, I don't have anything special, but can I pray for it? And then God heals their headache. And since you had the faith for the headache, now you have faith for, you know, back pain. (laughs) You guys are laughing because some of y'all need it. (laughs) Then you have a little faith for back pain. And then once God fixes your back, then you're, you have a little bit of faith for cancer. And it begins to grow and it grows and it grows. And then somebody at work says, I need a blessing from God. And you're quick to, your, to, your, to the word of God. You know what? I know a way to fix that. Because you've exercised that faith. I remember plenty of times just praying over something small. Now, Let's see, how how transparent should I be like Pastor Nathan says? (laughs) I am a cry baby, all right? I pretend when I come here, you know, because I love you guys, I don't want to, you know, but Giselle can tell you I am a cry. Give me a hangnail, I'm out. (laughs) If I have a cough, I'm texting Pastor Nathan like, I'm going to try to be there in the morning. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, sort of. But when you have a little bit of faith for the small problems, it gives you faith for the big ones. But why faith? Why is God so serious about faith and not knowledge? Man, that would make it so much easier. Why not just show himself to unbelievers and boom, faith would automatically be given. In fact, there would be no need for faith because you've seen it with your eyes. But the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And one of my favorite quotes by Augustine, he once said, it is the very limitations of our reason that make faith so necessary. Musicians, if you would come. It's the very limitations of our understanding, of our, of our intellect, of our reason that makes faith so important. Because there's gonna come a day where you're gonna try to figure it out on your own and maybe you're there this morning. You're gonna try to figure it out on your own. I know I can be stubborn. I like to figure things out on my own. I really do. 
I'm, I'm one of those people where if I study, if someone tells me, that's good. But if I study it, I will never forget it. And so sometimes some of you guys are like that. And you want to figure it out on your own. You want to put your family into right order on your own. You want to make sure that the trajectory that you're on is right all on your own. You want to make sure that everything in your life is perfect. But there's going to be a point in your walk with God where you're going to have to say, you know what, God, I've tried on my own. I put it, I have the work ethic. I've tried and I've tried. I've tried to figure it out with my intellect, with my brain. I've tried to use my hands, the, the skills that, that I have to make it work. But God, I can't do it on my own. And when you get to that point, that's where you need to stop and say, you know what, God, it's where my reason and my intellect stop that my faith begins. It's when I can't think about the problem anymore that the more that I try, I feel like I keep going backwards in my progression. God, I can't do it on my own. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my faith in the God who said that as long as he's on my side, I'm going to make it. If you would all stand. your faith. Now there's several ways to preach this message. The first being the way that I did. Where is it? I'm not telling you where it is. I'm asking, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Or we can flip it around and say, you know what? Your faith is wrongly placed. Maybe I trusted the storm. I had faith in the destructive power of the storm more than God's provision. But rightly placed faith is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. Now, faith in faith is just positive thinking. Faith in faith is just positive thinking. But faith in God is salvation. Faith in God is healing. Faith in God is opens up the doors, the windows of heaven to miraculous opportunities. People may think that you're crazy for having a little bit of faith. That's all right. Just tell them, I understand. I understand that you don't understand. It's not that I'm crazy. It's just that my faith is greater than your intellect. No, don't say that. to some I'll tell you what I'm glad that you guys come into the house of the Lord on Sunday and Wednesday but I promise you there's going to be times where you feel alone maybe on a Monday when you walk into the workplace and you need to keep your faith strong you need to protect your faith and use it as often as you can faith it's not foolishness it's faithfulness talking about loyalty to the house of God or loyalty to God himself. I'm talking about being full of faith. God, I'm filled with faith. I'm filled with faith. 
over to my grandmother's house. And everybody has a crazy grandmother. Mine is no exception. I love you, Grandma, just in case you're watching. But she would go back in the room and she would pray. Ooh, she would pray. And me and my mother still joke about this. It would be four o'clock in the morning and she would pray. And she would pray so loud. And I'm like, Grandma, I'm asleep. God will be awake at 9 a.m. And she, and it wasn't the type of prayer where it was like, oh God, it was so loud where you could hear it through the walls. And she, she had the boldness, not just to pray in her room, but to open up the doors and start going into everyone's room and praying over them at four o'clock in the morning. Now I appreciate it, but back then, in my faith. I believe in it. I believe in anointing my doorposts. I believe in anointing you even if you're asleep because I can't fight it when I'm asleep, right? <laughs> and she would exercise it day in and day out. And let me tell you what, if you've seen her, she's come here before, she'll come and worship and she tries not to make a scene now that she's in her older years. She'll kind of go off to the side if she feels like she's being a disturbance. But man, back then, holding back. I wonder if we could just not hold back. If when I give this altar call in just a second, if you would just lift up your voice, you don't have to do it now. If you would just lift up your voice and you would begin to ask God specifically for the thing that you need, not generally, God, I know that you can do all things and maybe kind of, sort of, probably if you feel like it today, you can work. But God, I have a need. I have something that I'm bringing to your altar, that I'm bringing to your throne because I want you to do it. I want to exercise my faith this morning. So if you have a need, small, big, hangnail, headache, cancer, family problems, financial problems, it doesn't matter what it is, don't be ashamed. The Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. If you have a need, why don't you raise your hand? Go ahead, raise it up in faith. Raise it up in faith. Now I want you to add action to that faith and I want you to begin to make your way down to this altar God you know what we're in need of even before we ask that's it that's beautiful that's beautiful the angels are rejoicing heaven is rejoicing oh you know the need the person beside you may not understand they may not know but let me tell you what God knows, God sees, God understands. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's it. I hear people lifting up their voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus.
chain, break every chain, break every chain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise him for what he's doing in our midst today. I praise you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I magnify your holy name, Jesus. Thank you for changing hearts. Thank you for faith in every life that heard your word, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing that's in this place. We exalt you, Heavenly Father. We glorify your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel faith in this house right now. Why don't you take your neighbor's hand? Pray for them right now. Whoever's near you, whatever's proper, pray for them right now. Let's call on the Lord. Bless each one of these, your people, Lord. Strengthen them this week. Be with them, Holy Father. I glorify you. I magnify you. Let your anointing be on them this week. Let your power and your strength, let faith rise in their lives, Lord Jesus. Let faith rise in their lives, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Thank God for America, a place where we can have church according to the scripture. Hallelujah. God bless you. Those that are praying in the altar, please continue to seek the Lord. This is the house of prayer first and foremost. Be blessed in Jesus' name. See you next Sunday. Unless the rapture takes place. Then we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.